This is going to be our very first episode of our new podcast called In the Field, and it's sponsored by Field Eagle. And this podcast is going to be all about, you know, discussing uh, topics around industry and technology. So this has been in the in the making for a little while now. So you know, very excited to get this launched. Um, and today we have the founder of Field Eagle, Sonia Kudo, <laughs> who I'm going to be interviewing. And uh, you know, what a perfect first um, guest for the episode. So, Sonia, I know like you are, you know, you've been in the tech industry for over a decade. You know, you have a, you know, a lot of awards that you've won for business leadership and innovation. Um, so, you know, your, your bio is, is quite amazing, but I, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself and also to tell us, um, a little bit about Field Eagle, like just the product sure. itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yes, my name is Sonia and I'm the founder of Field Eagle. Field Eagle is a product that's been built, uh, very specific for a, a certain type of business and industry, which we'll get into a little bit later, but essentially I, you know, I've been in the tech industry for over 15 years now, and Field Eagle actually came about as a result of being part of another company uh, that saw a need in the industry. And we thought, what a great opportunity to build a product because we saw that there was different industries who were looking for something that sort of did the same thing. And we thought instead of building, you know, a custom solution for each one of those clients, why don't we build something that's a, a product? So that sort of became the journey uh, that started Field Eagle. It's been a very long, um, gratifying and painful journey. It hasn't always been, um, you know, all fun and games. Uh, it's it's really challenging building a product in the specific industries that we're in for Field Eagle. Yeah. So it has had like it has had a very very long journey, many different people involved. Um, but, you know, it is it is my baby. It's it's a it's a product that I I really enjoy working on. And, um, you know, all, all the sweat and tears has has been worth it. And now I'm really excited to be able to, you know, really be launching the product worldwide and being able to do this podcast and talking more about uh, technology, which is something that I really love. And, you know, I want to solve all the world's problems with good technology, not bad yeah. technology. And I just feel like Field Legal sort of fits into to that space directly. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, adding to that, like a little bit more. So what sort of problems does Field Legal solve, like in, in the space of the industries that it's working with that, you know, that is revolutionary using tech uh, yeah. to solve this problem? So I think I should start by saying that the the main industry that Field Eagle started in is actually mining okay. uh, and oil and gas. But the, the big players that we were working with when we first started the product was was mining. Okay. And the problem that we were trying to solve was um, there was a lot of data that was being collected out on the field that was still being done through paper and pen. So a person will go out and, and I'm talking about a lot of different types of, of data being collected. So it can be asset management, you know, doing so asset management, uh, health and safety, um, uh, any inspections. So any anything that required a person to go out on the field and gather the data. And traditionally in mining, the way that was being done was with literally a paper and pen. 
So we had a lot of um, people coming to us saying, you know, it's great. We go out with paper and pen. Uh, we collect all of this data. It takes sometimes two to three weeks to collect the data. But then a person needs to go back to the office, fill out all of these reports. That can take another week or two or four. And uh, then they have to send these reports out to their clients or, you know, the paper papers get filed somewhere. And yeah. Who really knows what gets done with them afterwards? I guess if there's an incident on site, they'll go and try and dig it up. So we saw a real problem with like all of this data being collected, but nothing really being done to it. So we saw an opportunity to build a technology that would cater to, you know, not only mining, but oil and gas um, manufacturing, any industry that really collects data um, it through the through the collects data through forms uh, Mm -hmm. and answers and then we actually do something for the data so let's talk about inspections for example which is a big piece uh that's uh, incorporated in field eco so yeah yeah if an inspector has to go out and fill out a form of you know was the health certificate um visible uh, at the eye wash station location yes or no um were the, the the wheel pressure at, at the you know level that it's supposed to be, yes or no, or compliant or non-compliant. The that's all data that's being collected out in the field. Now, okay. now um, with Field Eagle, um, once an inspector, for example, is uh, done creating all um, gathering all of that information, the thing the only thing they need to do is sign and submit that inspection. And I should mention that, you know, because we're working with companies like mine, oil and gas, the field legal system is completely available offline. So you do not have to have internet in order to actually perform these. Yeah. Like off in the oil rigs kind of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because they still like a lot of mines still use satellite. Mm -hmm. So internet is just sometimes impossible to get. So it's important to have a system that's able to work offline. Yeah. Yeah. So once all that data is collected, we actually do something to it in Field Eagle. And that data is used for reports, having immediate reports that sometimes a mining company needs to provide to their clients, whether it's for preventative maintenance or um, you know, any anything that's required. Mm-hmm. And then and then there's additional actions that we can do to these to this data that's collected. So it could be that, you know there's something that's really critical um, out on the site that needs immediate attention or that inspection um, only passed 50%, but 50% failed. So what are the items that failed? Mm -hmm. What are the things that need to be fixed? So there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of data collected and things are, there's actions behind this data. Yeah. And in addition to having all the, the, the actions and things that you can do and alerts, um, there's, you know, you can also use this data to standardize a, pri- a process within an organization. So again, back to mining and I keep going back to mining because it's an industry that I've worked heavily yeah. uh, with, with the field legal system. Um, you know, once the data is, is collected, it's there, you know, they started a lot of these companies started realizing that you know they had all of these people out in the field uh, in different age ranges a lot of them had been doing this for 30 years all of the knowledge base was in their head mm-hmm. and as people started retiring they were losing all of this knowledge base but then they also realized that everyone was performing an inspection differently this person is doing it this way based on his or her experience mm-hmm. that person doing it the same so they thought how can we gather this data to start standardizing yeah, that would be so important yeah 
throughout our entire organization. And you're talking about companies that are doing inspections in Australia, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, mm-hmm. all over the world. So it's important to start getting some standardization in place. And, yeah. you know, the Field Eagle technology system really came in to sort of help with, with that. It, it's grown beyond that, but that's sort of, you know, I know that was a really long answer. Sorry, Christine. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm passionate about it, so I can go on and on forever. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's a disruptor, right, in the industry because it's digitizing the process. It's storing data in the cloud versus, a, you know, a file folder. And um, and overall, you know, like, because these industries are so heavily regulated, too. So, you know, they have to meet these certain standards. So it makes it easier for that. I think it improves health and safety, um, yeah. mitigates environmental disasters um as well so you know it's it's uh it's it's a great great concept yeah. that you have yes I always, yeah. I always tell people especially like in oil and gas sometimes it's in mining too usually when you hear in the news that there was like an oil spill somewhere for example mm-hmm. yeah and you look you keep listening to the news and then you 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 they 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 do their investigation usually like 85% of the time the disaster happened because of a bad inspection Right. Or something was missed in the inspection. You know, there yes. was, there was uh, um, rust in the pipeline and it wasn't looked at and nobody when doing the inspection. They, they missed it. And then it ended up, you know, turning to a major oil spin. Uh, yeah. spin. So there's always, you know, the, the inspections in these types of industry and just data collection is extremely important and yeah. has a huge impact on the business because these are high risk industries that if something happens, it's not. It's not a slap in the in the wrist, right? It it it, it, yeah. it means yeah, it means someone could lose their life in mining. Mm-hmm. There have been disasters where people lose their lives and mm-hmm. uh, natural, uh, sorry, environmental damage, and all of these disasters and and, and and these accidents that happen. You know, the the companies that are working and and managing that they're liable for all of that. So it's yeah. really important that they have systems in place to try to mitigate those risks. Yes. And a, a very easy um, audit trail, you know, for them to retrieve from the cloud, you know, in a situation like whenever they need it. So, yeah. yeah and having those standards available directly, you know, on a tablet to say, you know what, I'm inspecting this. I know that there's a regulatory body and a standard that goes along mm-hmm. with this. Here it is. Here's a video of how to do it. Here's yeah. training on how to inspect that. Like you, know, all of this information that's now available that wasn't before to a paper and pen, right? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So, you know, we're talking about these sort of legacy industries. They've been around forever and, you know, you're, you're approaching them, they're using a pen and paper, right? And now you're saying, hey, let's use a digital solution, right? Like, I feel like, um, you know, these legacy industries are, are been slower to um, move to digital processes. But I'm wondering, like, if COVID has had any impact on this, because we've seen it rapidly digitize a lot of industries. Um, yeah. So have you noticed a, a push forward in digitization in these industries? <laughs> um, I'm going to say yes to a certain degree. It really yeah. depends on the industry. Um, I know oil and gas, they're a little bit a, a ahead of a lot of other industries. They, you know, they're very high risk. Uh, so they um, they they welcome technology uh, a little bit more than some of these other industries. Mining is, you know, unfortunately a little bit behind. They they know that they need to get up to date and they, they need to start using 
um, you know, machine learning, AI, all of this technology to, to help mm-hmm. them and also to bring on new um, new staff and, and new employees and new people to be interested in mining. Because every time you think of mining, you think of a guy wearing a, a hard hat and a pitchfork, right? right. Mining has changed. Now there's women in mining. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a massive industry. However, um, I do think they have a hard time retaining talent because it's still that old school mentality. So they still need to um, uh, bring in new technology. Now, has COVID really changed anything? You know, I'd love to say yes, because I have seen it in certain cases, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, Because inspections didn't really stop or data collection didn't really stop. They stopped for a little while, but these types of industries, they can't afford to like not be doing that work. That work still needs to be done. So they had to put safety protocols in place. Now, um, companies like like Field Eagle, who started reaching out to these companies and saying, hey, let us help you through this, uh, you know, COVID process and and help you digitize Mm -hmm. the, you know, so that inspectors are spending less time out on the field and are feeling safe. Though that it's really up to the technology companies to to stay ahead and teach companies like mining oil and gas that the technology is there and it's available for them are these companies going to go out and look for these things and do it themselves mm-hmm. love to say yes but i don't think it i don't think that necessarily i think some of the big players will because they have the money and resources to put into that but not all um you know i was just at a mining event last week and and that was one of the big things we were talking about where they were saying you know in order for mining to really get you know 20 years ahead of where they are it they're going to rely on other industries to to do the work based on the knowledge base and partnerships that they have and then sort of bring mm-hmm. that mining they don't mm-hmm. they don't necessarily feel that actual mining companies are going to take the step further than what than what they have to to get there right, right. now that okay. could change that could yeah. change yeah that's sort of where i feel they are at this point yeah yeah I and mean, we could start to see that shift changing like faster and faster yeah um, and don't get me wrong like these are companies that have years and years and years of data that they've collected this mm-hmm. is like thousands and thousands of amounts of, of data uh, I think that if they took the initiative to really do something with that data, that would be really powerful. Um, they they could create systems that are very specific for their industry. And that's another problem, right? You're talking about industries that within an organization are using five to 10 to 15 different systems. And right. Every, yeah. Every, yeah. Every system does a particular thing and these systems don't speak to one another. Yes. Yes. So they, they need technology APIs that are that need to be built so that all of these technologies can speak to one another and then have a centralized uh, data uh, place where they can actually apply um, artificial intelligence and apply machine learning. Because really, you know, if you have historical data, you can start applying machine learning and AI and then start gathering new data and then the AI mm-hmm. can learning from that right but you need a starting point and it's like they already have thousands and thousands of amounts of data years over 50 years of it um and i really think that if they put it to good use it would be very beneficial for them yeah yeah i feel like this is almost like a an evolutionary moment too maybe for the product as well (laughs) what you're discussing sounds really good 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, being a founder because, uh, you know, you are the founder of this product. And, uh, you know, one of the, the things that I'm curious uh, to know is that, you know, being a woman in tech, right, this is, you know, traditionally been um, predominantly dominated by men in uh, positions. And now you're going to industries like mining and manufacturing and constructions, which are also spaces traditionally, you know, where men hold the majority of the jobs. You know, so how has that been for you as a woman going into these spaces, you know, not only in tech, but in <laughs> industry? And, you know, have you ever felt like there may have been a disadvantage to you in this space? Um, you know, I get this asked this question every <laughs> single time I talk to somebody. They're like, oh, you're in oh, so such curious. a male-dominated industry and in all mining. Um, yeah. Okay, I think I think my response is going to be a little bit what not what people don't expect you know has there been bias like I've been in this industry for 15 years and yeah. I, I feel like where I am today in these types of industries that are male dominated is very different than back then but I have to say and I have to be honest I have always felt really really supported by the men in the industry um they you know they they have uh, nurtured me uh, a lot of them have uh, volunteered to be my mentors and mm-hmm. connect with the people that I, I, I need to be connected to, provide me support. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't I don't want to get into this conversation where, you know, I I, I don't want to. Bat- and yes, yes, it's a male dominated industry. Yeah. Should yeah. there be more women in it? Yes. Is it hard for women to navigate because it's a boys club? Absolutely. But. Mm-hmm. I think that generally, okay, so I'm the middle child of five kids Mm -hmm. and I have a younger brother and an older brother and I'm right in between the older and the younger. So I think that like, I sort of have, because of that, I I sort of have, like, I know how to, you know, do business with, with the opposite sex or, or, um, so I've never really had like an issue. And, you know, whenever I, I have conversations, uh, uh, you know, people take my what I'm saying in, into account. And I don't know, I just I feel really supported by yeah. men in these industries. I've never felt like I'm not going to do business with you because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. I, instead, in, I, instead, I feel the opposite. I feel like they they see me and they're like, oh, they have a conversation. Maybe they don't know me at first, but then they'll start having a conversation with me. And I've had I've seen like sometimes when I'm start talking about technology and everyone's just like, Oh, okay. You know, you know what you're talking about. Okay, we need to yeah. talk further. So I yeah. think it's just a. I, I also think it's a matter of being in a place where I can't be shy, mm-hmm. and I like I need to. I need to put myself out there, and I need to have those conversations, and I need to, you know, sort of let people know that I know what I'm talking about. Because really, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're, whether you're male or female. I think mm-hmm. what people really respect is if you know what you're talking about right and you know they might not spark a conversation with you because they think oh this is a mining uh, event and you're a woman what do you know but if you go out of your way to start those conversations immediately it'll kick in and everyone respects you and everyone wants to talk mm-hmm. to you so it's I don't know I I'm I'm a little bit biased when it comes to that question because I yeah, have yeah. really supported by by men in these industries and yeah you know, I still am. I, one of my mentors in mining is a male. Like I just, I have a lot of respect as well because they, 
they haven't been biased towards me. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way, not just in mining oil and gas construction manufacturing. I feel the same way in tech. Like mm-hmm. well, I've grown in this industry, but I've had a lot of support. Yeah. And unfortunately at the time when I started in tech, it was very male dominated, you know, it's changed a little bit now, yeah. Yeah. but I, you know, I was supported by, by those men and they trusted me and I got to learn and I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't put in the work. Don't get me wrong. It's not because of, you know, them that I'm here. I put in the work, but yeah. it didn't hold me back because of it. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So it's been, the space for you has been pretty welcoming and, you know, you're also coming in as a tech leader too, into the space. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, a level of respect there. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, And then, you know, as a founder and, you know, because I do know you, like, I know you work incredibly hard. (laughs) I try. Incredibly hard. Yes. And so, you know, this is, uh, you know, all founders go through this. Um, And occasionally, you know, there's successes and there's fails, but there's never, you know, successes without the failures. (laughs) So, you know, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that? Like in this field, like has that happened and what did you learn from it? Oh my God, so many failures. Do we have like two days? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're right. You know, you can't achieve success unless you've had a couple of fails. I think failure in, you know, it's really how you deal with failure and, you know, being able to take a step back and realizing that you failed. I think the biggest mistake that people make is, you know, failing, but not wanting to admit that they failed and then just keep on going and keep spending money towards something that's a complete fail. I think it's really important uh, as a leader to at some point to say, hey, you know what? I can't take this any further. It's not doing what I meant it to do. Uh, something's not right here. I can't, I can't continue going on this path. I either stop or I take a step back and I analyze where it's at and where it needs to be and what I need to do to get there or, or pivot, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, throughout Field Eagle, we've had to do that a lot over Thank and over you. and over. But that, I think that's what makes a really good product great is when you've worked with different clients who did, decided this is not the product for me. And then you learn, OK, why not? What, what mm-hmm. do we need? Um, or, you know, we build a sync engine and use, you know, a specific tool that works great, but then a, a huge client comes along and we can't handle the sync data that's being done. And then it's like, okay, we got to transform this and we got to figure out what we need to do to, to make it faster or what technology we need to use. So there's a lot of trial and error, uh, but that's, it's good to do that at, at the start and it's good to fail and, and test it and stop. And, you know, you, you know, that we've done that a lot with, with field legal, where we've had mm-hmm. to take a couple steps back and say, crap, this isn't working. Um, you know, it sucks as my baby. And now I got to like go back to the drawing board. And, you know, we, when we yeah. first the product, it wasn't even a SaaS based product. Yeah. We said it was SaaS, but it wasn't SaaS. SaaS is a software as a service. It was sort yeah. of a hybrid of it, but it was also early stages. Yeah. Um, and we've learned since then, and you know we've we've created a, a, a 100% SaaS based product now, and we've built new features, and we learn. And that's the other thing you have to learn. Like as a as a leader or as a founder, like you you may have an idea to build something, 
but you have to accept that your idea is just the start of something. You have to work with the team, you have to be a good listener, and you have to cooperate with your clients. Like if, if I don't have conversations with clients and understand what their needs are and what our system needs to do, we're always going to be in the failure path. Yeah. But if we listen and we say, you know what, these are the industries that we're working with, mining, for example, and this is the need in that industry. If we want to keep going in that industry, we have to make sure that our product can cater to that industry. And if we want the product to be uh, available in five different industries, we have to make sure that it can support that. And, mm -hmm. and that's continuous learning, uh, conversations and building. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely a lot of continuous customer development right? and yeah. speaking to the customers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what about like, um, you know, as a founder, um, like having the drive to keep going? Because, <laughs> you know, like how do you find inspiration to, you know, either pivot or propel the, the product yeah. forward? Like, um. I think naturally, that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's probably got a little bit to do with being a middle child. So I've always had to like sort of push my way through um, things. But I think it's just being, you know, I I have days when I'm just down in the dumps and I don't really know what to do. But I feel like I've surrounded myself with like internally a really good team. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've also met connections and, and people that are in my life that if I'm having a really bad day, I can reach out to and say, you know, I just want to have a conversation and I just want to be able to vent and I can't do that with my team. Can I meet with you for 15 minutes? And I, I have done that and okay. vice versa. Now they feel like they can do that with me. So I do, I do have people that I can reach out to when I'm having those days and they, you know, out of the out of that conversation of me venting being like ah i'm so frustrated and i don't know what to do i'll get i'll get um you know something out of that conversation where it's like oh you know what i know this person i should introduce you to and then the conversation that started with me venting about how frustrated i am and them venting about how frustrated they are and they have no one to talk to we we but we can talk to each other actually ends up being something very constructive but i do feel that what really helps me when I'm really down is just reaching out to someone that I've known for a long time. And I do have a couple of people and funny enough, they're actually all males. Um, but I'm able to reach out and say, listen, can, do you have time for just a Zoom call or can, can we have lunch or you have five minutes for for a drink and just be able to talk about it? I think just just being able to talk about it to someone who's willing to listen is actually mm -hmm. enough. Right. Right. So that kind of helps you get over those times. So it's about surrounding yourself with the right people for support. Right? Yes. Both within your team and just in your life in general. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like it, it's hard. It, you, you know, you're responsible for an entire team of mm -hmm. development of, you know, everything marketing, um, yeah. And, I, you know, sometimes I feel like I have to be on all the time. I have to be really careful with the things that I'm saying and doing. I don't want to I don't want to insult anyone. I don't want to offend anyone. I want mm -hmm. everyone to be ha happy. And sometimes that's what takes the biggest toll on me. It's just not being able to be myself. If someone does something that I don't like, I want to be able to be just like, I don't like that. 
do it again or figure it out. But I can't just come out and be like that because then, you know, someone might get offended. And, you know, a startup, your team is really your core and it's, yeah. it's people that you need that you're surrounded by. And they're the ones that are really going to help you get to the next level. Like I'm yeah. not doing it on my own. I'm not sitting in front of a computer doing source code. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, sometimes it can just get exhausting from just leading a, a team. So it's, it's yeah. to just sort of like, and you know, you know, I never take vacation, like taking vacation for me is like pulling teeth. Um, so I do need the, the time sometimes to just, you know, have someone that I can sit and talk to and just unwind yeah. and do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a big leader leadership challenge is that, you know, you're a leader, but you're human, right? Yeah. And, you know, to, you know, make mistakes is human, right? So you might end up, you know, letting someone down, you know, and not intentionally, or, you know, you might not always say the right thing. Um, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a big challenge for leaders, because we're yeah. people, we're human, right? Yeah, yeah and you're not perfect. You can never do everything perfectly you can't always make the right decisions yeah, and that's no. what failure that's when failure comes in right you have to make mistakes and, yeah. and fail in order to learn from it yeah yeah okay so what about okay so I know vacation is not your strong suit <laughs> um so but like yeah so you know you have to you know avoid burnout so you know how do you kind of handle that and I know you, yeah. you said you have a good network I know you're like a big health techie too but like, how do you yeah. manage like not burning well, out? I have a rule. So, you know, every day after work, whatever time it is that I decide to finish, I always step out of the house or once I get home from the office, I put my gym clothes on and I always go and take a walk. That's 10,000 10, steps. I have to do 10,000 steps a day. Wow. And I don't check my emails while I'm walking. I just listen to some music. I look at the scenery and I just sort of just enjoy. And um, I've been doing that since the beginning of COVID, actually, just to get out of the house because we're all working from home. And it's now something that I've continued to do because it really helps me just sort of get my mind off and um, just re refresh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing that I, I do a lot, like I always have in my purse a little notebook. Because sometimes when I get overwhelmed and stuff, I have all these ideas that are in my head and then I get frustrated at myself because I'll forget because I have so much going on. So now I always walk around with a little notebook and whenever I see something or I have an idea, I write it down and then I'll spend some time every night um, going through those ideas that I had, figuring out what I, I should do with them. Journaling is something that I do every night before I go to bed. I don't like take a notebook and physically write in it. I have an iPad with a keyboard and I just journal away. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also think that's another venue for me to sort of vent about the things that I'm frustrated about, the things that I want to do. And in my journaling, like I'll create lists of, uh, of, of pending items that I was supposed to do that I didn't do. And I'll leave it there because then I'll know that I can go back to it. And yeah, journaling has really, really helped me. And also during COVID, I actually started doing uh, meditation. Yeah, you know, I'm a big health techie and yes. I have devices for everything that I do. So I have a meditation device that not only like teaches me how to meditate properly, but it also keeps track of my meditation and it gives me the results of sort of my, my brain waves and where I was at during the meditation. And meditation is something that I really enjoy. And I do find that I need it because sometimes mm -hmm. I do have days where I feel like I'm 
overwhelmed. And when I get overwhelmed, it's hard for me to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big thing for me. And another one is to-do lists. So I have obviously a digital to-do list. God forbid I should have it on paper and pen. Um, I have a digital to-do list and I sort of like as things come up, I just write them down. I don't even set, you know, times when I'm going to finish it. I just write it down because at least it's there. Cause if it's not written down, I will forget. And the last thing, and you know this, I will not do anything unless it's in my calendar. My calendar is my life. (laughs) My, I don't have two, three calendars. I have one. Everything is on it in different colors. My personal stuff, my business stuff, my, all of the different things that I do, everything goes into my calendar. The first thing I do before I go to bed is check my calendar for the next day. And then the first thing I do when I got out of bed is check my calendar for the day. I know okay. it checked, I checked it at night, but eight hours has gone by or seven, whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, I really, I feel like being organized and having, and also when I schedule things, I try to leave some time in between just to like go grab a coffee and not be, not feel so stressed. So mm-hmm. like an onsite meeting, with a client in the morning, I'll try not to schedule any more on-site meetings for that day. So I also feel like scheduling yourself um, is really important. And I, I know for a fact, that's one thing that's really kept my sanity. Yeah. Yeah. You're almost kind of pacing yourself a little bit through your schedule as much as you can. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. also discipline, right? You have to be disciplined if you're going to take on um, all of these things. And, you know, I take on like everything. Someone calls me like, Oh, you want to do this? I'm like, sure. <laughs> so I, I have to be disciplined and I know that and no, and no one can do that for me. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's awesome. Those are like great tips, uh, for people, you know, and I'm, you know, I, other founders that might be, you know, watching this, you know, from someone as experienced as you, you know, should be taking notes for sure. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So thank you so much, Sonia, for coming and telling us about the product and, you know, yourself and your journey with it, some industry insights, you know, and, you know, how to self-manage yourself as a founder. So thank you so much. Thank you. I hope the podcast does really well. And if anyone has any questions for me about Field Eagle or anything else, um, we're going to provide all my information and you can reach out to me. I always, always respond. So please do reach out and I will get back to you as soon as I can. All right. Okay. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.